guys are a wonderful, wonderful audience. Hey, where is everybody right here? If you guys can't see it on camera, but, but there's like nobody in this seat and everybody's on the sides. Anyway, so if I'm, if I'm pacing a lot on camera, you can blame everybody in here, okay? All right, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so thankful that you guys are here today and I really, uh, um, I really hope this sermon series is going to be something special and something effective and something helpful for you guys. Um, as I pointed out last week, we're jumping into a series called More Than a Feeling. And now you guys are thinking of the song, right? Can anybody sing it? There we go. I wasn't going to try. You should have heard me trying to sing those other songs just now. It was not working out very well. But anyway, so more than a feeling. So we're talking about emotions and feelings, something that we all deal with, right? You know, but I wanted to start kind of with um, some points here that, that our emotions are an indicator for us. They let us know what's going on inside. They let us know what we care about. And, they, and sometimes they affect what happens on the outside, don't they? Who has emotions? Okay. Okay, some people. We're, I'm going to talk to some of you next week that didn't raise your hands. We're talking about apathy next week. <laughs> All right, so um, emotions, feelings, we've got these things. Um, but one of the things that we need to understand about these feelings and about emotions is that Emotions and feelings are good. They're a good thing. In fact, they're a gift. Why? Why are they a gift? They're a gift from God because God did something very special when He created us. And He created us in His image. And because of that, we have feelings because God is a feeling God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is a feeling God? We just sang a song called God So Loved. God has the feeling of love. He loves us. But we see in the scripture as we, as we go through the Bible, we see all different places where God has many different types of feeling. He has grief, right? The Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So, so, the, the, so God has grief, but God has anger at times, right? You've seen how God has been angry with his people for, for disobeying him, for, for coming up against his righteous decrees, We've also seen God as a compassionate God, and um, the Bible tells us that God is compassionate. It says He's slow to anger and He's compassionate. Um, There are places where Jesus was compassionate. It says He saw the crowds, and He saw that they were struggling and hurting, and He had compassion for them, and He went out and He healed them, and He fed them. God is also a God who mourns. We know that when Lazarus died, that Jesus wept, and He wept because the people around Him didn't understand the circumstances. So we know that God has feelings and that God created feelings in us. And we get this from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It says this. Bring it up for me, please. It says, Then God said, Let us, let us God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And so God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. If God is a God of feelings and God created us in His image, then God created us as people with feelings. And the reason I'm laying this down is because how often have you heard someone say it's not good to have feelings or it's not good to be emotional? You see, there are are aspects of that that are true. It's not bad to have feelings or emotions. The problem is how we respond to those feelings and emotions, isn't it? That's what gets us in trouble so many times. We all have these feelings. We experience sadness and joy. We experience love and anger, excitement and apathy, stress and relief, and so much more. But here's where the problem comes into play. When we're led by our feelings, there's an issue. 
When we make all of our decisions based on feelings or emotions, that can be problematic. Does anybody know anybody like that? You know, you, you know a lot of people. My, my three and four-year-old, they're led by their feelings at times. You know, I can remember, you know, just a couple nights ago, my goodness, Katie, remember this? Our, our four-year-old, Catalea, was about, t- it's about time to go to bed. And you know the process with toddlers for going to bed. It's like three hours. Like, like I, I've got some feelings when that three hours is up, right? So, so she's, it's, it's she, we, we lie her down in her bed, and we get done, we say the prayers, we, everything's good to go, and then she says, Daddy, I want lemon water. Mmm. This was going downhill real fast. No, Catalea, you can't have lemon water. It's bad for your teeth. Dennis says no. But Daddy, I want lemon water. I don't like this water. I want lemon water. Because we had some lemon water down on the, the counter. No, no, Catalea, you can't have it. And next thing you know, she just throws her cup and she's, I want lemon water. And she's going crazy. I want lemon water. I want lemon water. And she's, I'm, I'm picking her up and I'm like, Catalea, no, you're not getting it. Calm down. And you do that thing as a, as a parent where you're like, like squeeze them so that they don't like shake. And, and, and she, what is, what is it about kids that they go from like these little sweet things to Hercules in a moment or the Incredible Hulk? I mean, they are so strong you can't even hold them down. But, but this is what happens with emotions, with feelings. She felt something on the inside. What did she feel? She felt a desire that she wanted that wasn't being met. And so she responded on the outside. Well, this morning, I want us to, to, to understand something here. Feelings are given to us by God, and they come from within. But we can't always trust our feelings. We know in Jeremiah, verse 17, 9 and 10, it says, The, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And then God says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So the Bible says the heart is deceitful. Disney will tell you, follow your heart. Disney will say, lead with your emotions. Be followed by your emotions. But the Bible says, oh, you can't can't be led with your emotions. It doesn't mean that they're not something there that's helpful. In fact, instead of being led by our our feelings, Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, when we're led by the Holy Spirit, then these feelings that that work themselves out into desires are righteous. But when we allow our desires to, to be worked out in our flesh based on our own feelings, it can be problematic. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us another place that we derive how we, how we work through our feelings and how we should be led. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So what do we, so what, what do we see here is that we shouldn't be led by our feelings because we should be led by God, led by the Holy Spirit and led by His Word. So it's important that we understand this very well. And so the question I have for you is, are you a thermometer when it comes to your feelings? Or are you a thermostat? Do your feelings function in the state of a thermometer? You see there, a thermometer, what does it do? It just tells you the temperature, right? 
So if your feelings are just about taking the temperature of your heart and taking the temperature of your being and taking the temperature of the room around you, what you're doing, then that's okay. It's good. It's gathering information. It's telling me I'm hot. It's telling me I'm cold. It's telling me I've got issues. It's telling me that I'm happy about something. But the problem is when we turn our feelings from being something that just gauges and and checks the temperature and we move it to something that actually sets the temperature, we get in big trouble. And that's what we've got here. Thermostats set the temperature, don't they? So if you're driven by, by uh, anger and you allow your feelings to, of, of anger to control everything you do, you're a thermostat. But what we should be doing is taking a gauge and taking a thermometer to us. And in anger, it's really easy, right? Because you, you actually do get heated. But you take, you take a gauge, you figure out what's going on in my life right now. And what's really awesome is God gave us those feelings for a reason because we're made in his image, but at the same time, those feelings can inform us of what we desire and what we care about. And when those feelings push us in the wrong direction, what God does is he uses those things to help us get back on track and be transformed for him. So our emotions, they should be a thermometer, not a thermostat. You know, Proverbs 16.32 says this, it's better to be patient than powerful. It's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. God says it's so important that we, we have control over our feelings. It's better for us, it's better for everyone else. So, um, you know, we've kinda, I've kind of set this thing up for this whole series, for these emotions, these feelings. And one of the things that we're going to see is this, that unhealthy desires, they cause unhealthy feelings that result in an unhealthy response. Everybody say this with me. Unhealthy desires cause unhealthy feelings that result in unhealthy responses. Thank you to the two of you. Apathy next week, all right? But no, seriously, this is something, this is really important. We have to understand this. If we don't understand it, we're not going to make the right choices going forward. Well, one of the feelings that we all experience is what I like to call anger. Can you see it? Can you see the anger? This is, a, this is a collaborative work of my daughter Ileana and my art skills. So the bad parts of it are mine, the good parts are hers. So anyway, so when you left your house yesterday or you, you woke up in the morning and you looked outside and you saw the rain outside, maybe you felt like... You know, when you're driving down the road and you're... You're, you're on your way here in a, in a 1985 Lincoln with a license plate 3H1708 pulls out in front of you and goes 15 miles below the speed limit. That's how you feel, isn't it? When you show up one, su- one Sunday morning and you see there are drums on the stage, maybe you... I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what is going on. But when something happens in your life, something comes in and something attacks your desires, you go, and that can be a problem, right? It can be very, very difficult. 
Well, anger is defined by Cambridge Dictionary as this. A strong feeling that makes you want to hurt someone or be unpleasant because of something unfair or unkind that has happened. And I tack on to you a lot of the times. Because most of the time, our anger is based in something that happens to us or maybe to someone we love. Rarely are we angry about things that happen to people that we don't care about. Um, The American Psychological Association says anger is an emotion characterized by antagonism towards someone or something. Now get this, that you feel has deliberately done you wrong. I underline that on purpose because this is where we run into trouble with our anger. When someone hurts us or does something that we think is unfair or we feel has been deliberate, we get angry, don't we? And this is so, this is, this is if, if we can just get this part down about the you feel something that has been done to you deliberately, if we can just get that part down before you guys leave today, we're going to be a whole group of better people. We'll be people that will be um, striving to honor and to love God in ways that are really great. Well, so when, it, when we have these feelings of anger, they can cause different things in our, in our body, right? According to the American Psychological Association, it says increased blood pressure can happen. Physical changes are manifested. You can harm yourself physically or mentally. It says when you get angry, your heart rate and your blood pressure go up, and so do your levels of energy, adrenaline, and noradrenaline. Here's the thing. Sometimes anger doesn't always look like that. Sometimes anger doesn't always look like this. Sometimes... Anger looks like a sarcastic comment. Or complete silence. You ever been on the other side of silent treatment? Oh, it's brutal, isn't it? Man, it's just so uncomfortable. It's, it's like you, you go in the room and, and, and the temperature just drops. You don't know how to act. You don't know how to feel. Everyone's uncomfortable. I know some of you have dealt with that. Someone's angry with you and you get the cold shoulder. You give short answers. Has anyone been, been actually giving the silent treatment? You're, you're all doing it to me right now. <laughs> all right. So let's get, let's get a little more energy. You don't have to be angry, though. But, so silent treatment, that is, that is a way. So not all anger looks like a raving lunatic running around, you know, like it's Mad Max in a Thunderdome or something. It's just... It's, it's different ways. Your anger might be based in different things. Maybe it's based in resentment. You know, I've, I've seen people that are angry at, at a spouse or a loved one or a friend because they resent them because of how much time they have to pour into them and they don't see improvement. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Maybe your anger is based on the fact that you're stressed out, you're tired out. Or you feel like you've been missing out. You get that? You ever scrolling through Facebook and you see something happen on Facebook and then it's like, oh, how come I wasn't part of that? How come I didn't get tagged on that? Why didn't anybody like my comment? You get angry. You feel like you're missing out, don't you? Am I hitting home with any of these things? Yeah, we all, we all struggle with this stuff. But see, here's... With God... 
If we have this, this anger and it comes from God, then that means there must be some anger that's good, right? See, God has righteous anger, and His anger is righteous because His, his emotions, His feelings come out of His pure character. Because God is a holy God, and there's nothing that he does that's wrong. And so when he gets angry about something, it's because it's an attack on his character. He's angry about someone attacking his character. He's angry about someone attacking his children. He's angry about someone attacking his word. And so these are things that we can look at, and we say, well, if those are the things that God gets angry about, Jesus got angry in the temple, and he went and he flipped tables over. In fact, he made a whip, and he cracked the animals out, and the people, he said, get out of here, because they were turning his temple God's temple into a place to take advantage of people when people should have felt safe to come into that environment and to love and not worship and honor God. But, but those things made Jesus angry. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. We need to understand that there are times that we can be angry righteously as well. But I will tell you this. James 1.19 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So even though we, we can have a concept in our mind of righteous indignation and righteous anger in ourselves, we have to be very, very careful because James warns us, look, Christians... It's going to be very, very hard for you to be righteously angry. It's going to be very hard for you to, to, to be angry at someone or something without sinning. Man's anger is most likely sinful. And this brings us to our first point. When it comes to anger, when it comes to a time where, where you've got something that happens to you and, and, you, and you're about to get angry, you need to consider the consequences. Consider the consequences. In our anger, people get hurt. And we sin due to our response to that anger. Proverbs tells us this, and I'm going to read a lot of Proverbs today, okay? There's a lot of really, really awesome stuff in Proverbs. Proverbs 17:14 says, starting a quarrel. It's like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Consider the consequences. Consider the consequences of getting angry in that moment and seeing what will happen. Who's going to get hurt? Consider the consequences of what God says in the Bible in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. It says, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. See, this is what happens when we, when we allow ourselves to become angry. When, maybe not necessarily that, that I, I worded that wrong because anger is a natural response to things. But we, we can choose what to do with it. When we allow that anger to, to be responded in the form of sin and lashing out and hurting someone, that's very problematic. And the Bible says... Don't go to bed at night until you've dropped this thing. Don't go to bed at night until, until you've got your heart right and you've confessed that anger to me. Why? Because of that last line. Do not give the devil a foothold. This comes from Ephesians 4. We're going to get into Ephesians 4 a little bit later, but this is a really, really, really important point. When we allow ourselves to stay angry, when we keep a record of wrongs, and we've all done it, we're giving the devil a foothold. A foothold to do what? 
a foothold to break us up, to shake us up, to make us hate one another, a foothold to make us lose our ability, to lose our, our perspective, for us to, to, to not be the people God called us to be. We'll lose our ability to go out and reach people for Jesus if we're known as an angry bunch of people who've given the devil a foothold to break up our unity. I would venture to say that the number one cause of failing churches is disunity. And it comes from harboring bitter feelings. Why do we get angry? We get angry at specific people. Maybe it's a boss or a coworker or a family member. Maybe we get angry at events, a traffic jam, that Lincoln that pulled out in front of you. you know, maybe we get angry at a canceled flight. Maybe we're angry at ourselves because we just can't do what we'd like to do. Consider the consequences of your anger. It'll affect other people. You know, you're probably wondering why I have this wall up here. Well, I have it up here because I, I want to write something on here. This is going to be our anger wall, okay? And I, I apologize if you all can't see it. Hopefully I don't drop this on somebody. Me, I'm the only one here. This is our anger wall. Imagine, you may have heard this before, imagine if every time you get angry and you respond from that place of pain, from that anger, imagine if every single time you hammered a nail into this wall. So I've got, I've got a, a small nail here. I'm going to hammer it into the wall. Well, what if the next time I respond in a really, really, really big way? I respond physically and I abuse someone. I, I punch someone. What if the next time that I'm angry at someone, I grab a big nail and I go and disparage their reputation? What if the next time I'm angry at someone and, it, and I just respond in a small way with a sarcastic comment? If every single time I had to look at this anger wall and I had, to, I had to hammer a nail in there every time I was angry and I responded in that anger to someone, if I, if I didn't a nail up here, how bad could this be? Think of, think of all the times that you've been angry and you've taken your anger out on someone. Maybe, maybe you had a bad day at work and your boss was being a jerk and you, got, and you went home and you took your anger out on your kids. Maybe you weren't patient with your wife. Maybe you were anger, angry at your pastor for a stupid illustration. Maybe you were angry because the, the, the noise of, of, of this is driving you nuts. Maybe you're angry because you can't see it. Maybe there's something going on. Maybe there are all these different things, these different reasons that you're hurting people and you're hurting yourself. It's so important to look at these things and understand that this is what happens, that we, that we nail, we hammer nails into someone or, or something every time we respond in anger. 
And it's really, really sad. It's really sad. There are multiple people that get hurt when, when, you, when you respond in anger, don't they? The, the person who is doing whatever to you, the offender, right? That person gets hurt. Because why? You snub them. You allow that relationship to be broken. Well, who else gets hurt? The person that you lash out at. You know, if, 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 I'm, if I'm upset with Mike because he, he did something to me, he looked at me wrong in the middle of a sermon, and then I go home and I go off on Katie for it. Two people. Two people are affected or impacted. But there's actually a third person who's impacted. A third person who's impacted even more is me. Because I'm harboring that resentment. I'm keeping a record of wrongs. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes, he says, you know, if you're going to love people, love doesn't keep any record of wrongs. If you want to have unity, if you want to be about someone else, if you want to have the right emotions, the right feelings, don't keep a record of wrongs. Anyone ever, does anyone keep a record of wrongs? I have. It's really, really hard, isn't it? It's hard not to keep that record. It's hard not to get rid of those things. But when we keep those records, then we hurt people and we hurt ourselves. And so it's very, very important to, to consider the consequences of your actions when it comes to anger. God is hurt when we're angry. When we give into that anger and we sin. You see in that verse, can you bring that verse back up? It says, in your anger, do not sin. That means that you have a choice for how to respond to your anger. Well, everybody say that with me. I have a choice. I have, I have a choice in how to respond to my anger. We have a choice. Some of us respond in different ways. Some of us hurt people. Some of us hurt ourselves. Some of us, you know, turn to alcohol and food and drugs. Some of us turn to physical abuse of someone else. Some of us go and punch a wall. Some of us shut down completely when we're angry. There are all different ways. We all have different experiences and different personalities and in the, these different ways that, that these things happen. So it's very important that when you feel the anger, you've got your thermometer on you all day long, you feel that anger coming, it's time to consider the consequences before you do anything. Consider the consequences, and how do you do that? Well, Daniel Tiger's neighborhood told me how. What, Daniel Tiger is it's the new version of Mr. Rogers, but it's this little tiger, and his, and his parents told him what to do, or somebody taught him what to do, and I hear my kids singing it all the time. It says, how's it go? When I get so mad that I want to roar, I, I, I take a breath and count to four. What is it? Take a deep breath and count to four. One, two, three, four. Consider the consequences. That's how you consider the consequences, something as corny as that. Seriously. When someone says something or someone does something to you, I see it all the time in my kids. Oh my goodness, this is great. You know, my, my, my two oldest, the 12 and 11-year-old, it's so funny. Like, like the other day... Uh, Ileana stepped on Noah's foot accidentally and his first response was, ah! and he was, he was angry at her. And I was like, no, what are you doing? Like it was totally unintentional. Consider the consequences if you take one step further. It's just so important that we consider the consequences. 
Proverbs 16.29 says that a violent person entices their neighbor and leads them down a path that is not good. Maybe the consequence of your anger is affecting the walk of someone else. Consider the trigger. This is how we start to move through this thing. First, you consider the consequence. Okay, uh, immediately, when someone makes me angry, I have to consider what's going to happen. The next thing I do, I, I've got to do is I've got to get to the bottom of this. Why am I feeling so much anger here? What causes the anger? What is the trigger? We've got to understand what that trigger is in order to overcome it. You cannot understand how to defeat something unless you know what's causing it in the first place. Otherwise, you'll just treat your symptoms. If you know you're an angry person all the time and all you do is try to um, dull it with some, some sort of medication, that may not fix your problem because you're just treating the symptom instead of figuring out why am I so angry all the time. Maybe the triggers for our anger are, are injustice. We've seen a lot of that in the last couple of years, right? There's a lot of anger over what, injustice. Maybe it's over unfairness. Maybe it's over physical pain. You know, I, when I was practicing this, I slapped my, my thumb with the, with the hammer. Maybe that causes anger. Where does our anger come from? We know that some, sometimes our anger comes from a very, very deep and dark place. Do you remember the story of King Saul and David in, in 1 Samuel? In 1 Samuel, it, it, there's this, this thing where, where David and Saul were going out and they were defeating the enemies. They were defeating the Philistines and they were working together and then they came back to the hometown and it was a really cool thing and there was this parade and there was dancing and, and all the people were out there. They were going, King Saul's awesome. He kills his thousands. And then they come in behind him with another refrain and say, but David kills his tens of thousands. Oh, man, and then the Bible tells us that when Saul heard that, it was like, what? <laughs> David kills his tens of thousands, and Saul says, I'm the king. Why is he getting more glory than me? He says, I'm the king. Is he coming from my throne? He says, I'm the king, and now I want to kill him. So, so what, what Saul tried to do for the rest of his life from that point forward is kill David. He threw spears at him. He had armies chasing him down. David's hiding in caves his whole life, all because he got angry, and he didn't consider the trigger. He didn't consider what it was that triggered him, and what triggered him was jealousy and envy. And why? Why did he get jealous when somebody else got the glory? Because it goes back to that thing that, what, what did I say? Unhealthy desires lead to unhealthy feelings, which lead to unhealthy responses. His unhealthy, was desire, his unhealthy desire was to be God in his own life. His unhealthy desire was to, to set himself up in such a way that it didn't matter what God wanted for him or what was best for other people. His, un his unhealthy desire was to be number one. And every time that we get jealous or we envy someone, it's because we think that we should have what they have. Or we think that we, we deserve it. Or, or you know, we, we say things like, how dare that person? How, how many times have we said that one? How dare that person? Maybe that's a trigger. Because our pride is hurt, our ego is hurt. It's so important that we, that we look at these things and we understand what the trigger is. Consider the consequence. Consider the trigger. Maybe it's frustration. 
We've got to be careful not to act out in these ways. And the last point, not done yet, we'll check out on me yet. Treat the trigger. Consider the consequence, consider the trigger, and then treat the trigger. And this is the part that we're really going to get into today. How can I deal with my anger? Well, I've got to figure out what's causing it in the first place. Is it jealousy? Okay, that means that I am, I am clearly, I, I, I have, I'm not aligned with God. I'm, I'm jealous because I don't believe that God is so good. I'm jealous because I don't believe that God loves me enough. I'm, I'm jealous because, because I, I think this thing should happen. Or maybe your anger comes from a place of, um, I can't believe that this person did this to me, and I want to respond. But see, we sing a song called Sea of Victory. Why? Because God is in charge, and God's going to do what he's going to do, and we need to remember these things. So we need to treat the trigger. The first thing to do when you want to treat your trigger is hand your anger over to God. Give it over to God. In that moment, in that moment when you're, when you're counting to four and you're taking a deep breath, give your anger over to God. Proverbs 20, verse 22 says, Don't ever say, I'll get you for that. Wait for God. He'll settle the score. Give your anger over to God. Wait for Him. He'll settle the score. You know, and here's some physical things that we can do. Um, according to the APA, it says we can breathe deeply. We can slowly repeat a calm word or a phrase such as relax. We can use, um, uh, visualize a relaxing experience or go do some yoga. Those are all great things. They really are. But the, the problem is, if you have not handed your anger over to God, those things aren't going to work. They're just treating other symptoms. So we've got to hand our things over. We've got to pray. We've got to give it to God and pray for the person that your anger is directed toward. If someone offends you, pray for that person. It is really, really, really hard to stay mad at someone if you're truly, honestly praying for them. Has anyone ever prayed for someone who's hurt, hurt, hurt them? Have you noticed how it softened your heart towards them and you start to become compassionate? If we look at the cross, we just went through Easter and we looked at what Jesus did on the cross, God, God sacrificed his own son on the cross out of love for us. And all we've done was hurt him and harm him. If he can have that kind of compassion, we can as well. So another, another way to treat the trigger is not just to pray, not just hand it over to God, but to read God's word. Read the Proverbs. I'm telling you, you read some of these verses... In, in Proverbs, you just go all the way through and you're going to start seeing, how do I handle my anger? But if you, if you don't just read it, but you actually make it a point to, to bring it into your life. So maybe at night, before you go to bed, read some of the Proverbs and pray. If you know you struggle with anger, read these problems and pray. Even if you don't think you struggle with anger, you probably do. Read the Proverbs and pray and go through. In the morning when you wake up, read the Proverbs and pray. Something else. To treat the trigger. Be in community with others and share those triggers. Hey, my office door is open. If you need to share your triggers with me, like Pastor Andrew, I need some help. 
I am struggling. I, I get angry all the time and I can't figure out why. Then we can get to the bottom of what it is. If you know what your trigger is, say, Pastor Andrew, I need, I need help. I, I, need, I need prayer in this area because I always get angry when my ex does this. I always get angry when my boss does this. I always get angry when my coworker does this. I get angry when my child does this. I get angry when, when my church doesn't do this. Whatever it is, come, come talk to me. Talk to the people in this community. You see, here's the thing about what church should be. Church should be a safe place to share your triggers. Why? Because you should be able to share them, and then the people around you can pray with you for those things. And you're not on an island trying to deal with the trigger yourself. You've got a whole group of people that are caring about you, and they're asking about you, and they're sending you messages. Hey, how are you doing with this thing? I mean, the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 24, it says, Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. So if he says don't hang out with the bad people, don't hang out with the people that are going to cause you to trigger, then, then we, we also know that we need to be in, in meetings with one another to help us fight those triggers. Something else. This one is very, very important. How do you treat your trigger? Interact with the intention to understand rather than to misunderstand. How many arguments, fights, broken relationships have happened because something was done to some, one person or perceived to have been done to one person and it was completely misunderstood? The motives of the offender may not have been to offend at all, but the one offended misunderstood because they went into the situation with a list of these are all the things that I want to see happen bad so that I can be angry at this person. Have you been there? I've been there before. It's not a good place to be. And when we live like this, it makes it really difficult and our relationships are hurt. So it's important that you interact with the intention to understand. When you're, when you're hanging out with your friends or you're hanging out with people that you know can be difficult, don't take everything they're doing as, as the worst thing possible, as the worst possible motives. Look at it and think, I want to understand this person. Proverbs 18.13 says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And Proverbs 25.8 says, Don't jump to conclusions. There may be a perfectly good explanation for what you just saw. God knows that we tend to do this. We tend to jump to things. And we hurt ourselves in the process. So we've got to shift our perspective. You ever heard someone say, "If you walk a mile in that person's shoes? How do you treat your trigger? You interact with the intention to understand. And maybe it's looking at that person and say, what seat are they in? What are the shoes that they're walking in? If you struggle to understand someone, in fact, ask them, hey, can I wear your shoes for a minute? That might start a conversation. But we have to remember something. that If, if we're offended, if someone's done something to us, remember that everyone is dealing with something. We can't always see the iceberg beneath the surface. You know, we come in here with our masks on and we don't know what everybody's dealing with. And so maybe there was a mom who was taking care of the kids in the morning and rushing them to get to church on time. And she's short and low in patience. And she walks in and somebody makes a mean face at her. And this is not my wife. This didn't happen, by the way. I'm just saying. Some, something as simple as that you're like, Pastor Andrew, that's really stupid. But you walk, imagine walking into a church and this is what you see. 
trigger, right? But we've got to remember that everybody's dealing with something. We only see the tip of the iceberg. Avoid making it worse. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, It's a mark of good character to avert quarrels, but fools love to pick fights. Fools love to pick fights. Ephesians 4, it continues, and it says later on, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Brawling and slander along with every form of malice. But it says, here's the thing. This is how you treat the trigger. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. How? Just as Christ forgave you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. And so if we, if we remember that, we remember to be compassionate. We'll be able to do these things. How do you treat the trigger? Well, if someone says something mean to you, a soft answer turns away wrath. Gracious words are a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Proverbs 16. You know, one way, maybe, maybe there's a different way to treat this trigger. Maybe you've got a trigger against injustice. Maybe you're just so angry, you get angry at, at the fact that there's abortion happening all over the United States. Well, what's one way you can fight it? You can pray. God, I'm so angry over this thing. But then you can go maybe work at a place that, that is fighting these things in a healthy way. You can go work at a pregnancy center. You can volunteer your time. You can pour whatever it is into whatever injustice is going on and find an avenue for that. Serve in your church in some way to combat it on a spiritual level. You know, these are all, all things, all emotions, but we have to remember that unhealthy desires, our emotions are, are built and based in our desires. If we love God in everything that we do, then our, then our feelings are going to be righteous and healthy in those ways. And then our response to that should be a righteous and healthy response. But if our, if our desire is for ourself and looking out for number one, then we're really going to struggle. Well, what's next? What are the next steps? What happens to us when we can't let go of resentment, negative emotions? Have you ever heard the story of the snake and the saw? There was a snake, and it was slithering along, and it found an old woodshed, an old tool shed, and it slithered into the tool shed at night. And as it went in, there was a saw on the floor, and it, and it slithered around this saw blade, and it got caught on this saw, and it cut it, and it, and it got really angry immediately. Because it thought this saw did something to it on purpose. And so what did it do? It snapped back at it. It snapped at the saw. And then what happened? It cut its mouth. So then it was so angry that this snake wrapped itself up around the saw. It wanted to constrict it to death. It wanted to tighten it up. It wanted to kill it. And so what happened is the snake ended up slowly killing itself because it was constricting around this saw and slicing it up, bleeding to death. And it wasn't affecting the saw one bit. This is what happens in our lives. When we hold on to resentment, when we hold on to the pain in our lives that someone else has caused against us, and we snap back without understanding their position. We snap back because we think that their motives are wrong. We snap back because we think they meant something different than they did. We hurt ourselves. And then we constrict and we hold on to that resentment and that bitterness and the anger wells up and all we're doing is hurting ourselves. Are you struggling with anger today? Consider the consequence. Consider your trigger and treat your trigger 
it's so important that we treat these things because if we don't treat these triggers and we don't treat this anger, then every single time that we're nailing something in there, we can say, I'm sorry, all we want. And we can keep pulling these nails out. Every time we apologize, I'm sorry for that. 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 But when you're done, you look at the wall and it's got holes in it. Because every single person that you've hurt with your anger has the holes and the scars to show for it. And we can't get away from it. So, so with everything in you, consider the trigger. Consider what it is that's causing you to, to, to be so angry at someone. Well, here's some practical next steps. Commit to seven days of treating the trigger. Commit to the next seven days so that when you come in here next week and I ask you, how did you do this week in treating your triggers? Commit to those seven days in doing that. Pray in the morning. God, I don't want to be angry today. I don't want to respond in anger. Give it to God because he's the way maker. He'll guide you through whatever circumstances you're dealing with today. Give it to God because you'll see the victory through him. Give it to God because he, you know he's so good. No matter what someone does to you, give it to God. Read the Proverbs on the anger. Read it at night. Read it in the morning. Post something on Facebook to help remember that. Pray at night. Pray at your lunch hour. For seven days, this is what you can do. I want you to pull out your phone if you have it right now. Pull out your phone. If you've got a cell phone with an alarm on it, I want you to set an alarm for 4.13. 4.13 p.m. I'm setting it right now. Make sure you set it for p.m., not a.m. 4.13 p.m. Why? Because we need to remember Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, and this is what it says. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for the other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. At 4.13, every single day, read that passage, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Read it and make that your prayer. And finally, be in community. Be in community with other believers who also want to treat the trigger or help you do it. If you're unsaved and you're in this room today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I invite you to test us in this. I'm not sure if I want to be saved. I invite you to test this Christian community to help you walk through your triggers. To love you. To not give you this face when you come up to us. And if you're a Christian and you're in this room today, I invite you to not be this person. But also, don't be the person that holds on to the faults and don't be the person that gets offended by everything. Commit the next seven days to treat your trigger. Set your alarm for 4.13. Read Ephesians 4.13 at 4.13 every day and pray for God to help you treat your triggers. And you'll be surprised at how many less holes you're putting in people. Let's pray. Dear God, we pray this morning as we 
go through this, this series on emotions, on feelings, anger, God, that, that you'll work in our hearts and you'll help us to remember some of these things. That we'll be a people who don't hurt ourselves. We'll be a people who act in compassion and love and pray for the ones who are hurting us. We'll be a people that won't be offended by things that we, we see as a perceived threat or problem. That we won't let jealousy and envy and all these different things lead us that we won't be led by our emotions, but we led by your spirit and your word. We know we can do it through you, God, because you're so good. And it's in your name we pray, amen.